Matthew. All right, all right. We have to save this for the episode. So okay, let okay. me get them. <laughs> I didn't know we had this in common. <laughs> My right. mom was like, it's real? It can be real. <laughs> <laughs> With a stupid fluffy hair. Okay. Um, welcome to Filmy Girls Idolcast. Hit it. plays when I insert it and, and now we can now we can talk well when did I guess you found you must have found my podcast or my yeah. Twitter or something yes I did roaming around Twitter and seeing um, someone refer to it or retweet one of your tweets it somehow came across my timeline and then I looked into your podcast and I'm like ah oh, this is what I wish more people knew about and what I have thought about for a really long time but had no one to talk to about it, idol culture in general. Well, that's why I started it was because um, I went looking through podcasts um, to see if anyone was talking about uh, BTS in sort of a productive way and there was just absolutely nothing. Um, It was just like tumbleweeds. I mean, there, there are and I listen to like one or two that are really fun um sort of fan driven reviews or they listen to just a bunch of k-pop and just talk about what they like what they don't like and those are great like i love those but um i just felt like most of the ones that sort of attempted to go deeper were not really hitting the mark either because they weren't coming from a place of um asian idol fandom or they just didn't know enough to know that they didn't know it yeah it was just such yeah. a yeah and i mean there's a, there's nothing wrong with those podcasts but it's just when you've hung around these kinds of spaces for 10 plus years you start thinking about it in a different way and i wish more people talked about it in that way yeah yeah because um well we were talking a little bit before i started um recording but yeah like i started kicking around asian fandoms in general in like 1999 <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> but I, I started with sort of the Asian idol stuff um, a bit later because um, I went from Bollywood to discovering the wonder of Asian dramas through uh, Meteor Garden which was a Taiwanese drama <laughs> It was like a huge cultural phenomenon over there, apparently. Yeah, and um, they had like F for the band, and um, yeah, like it was. It's it. Um, I guess coming from Bollywood to a Taiwanese drama wasn't that big of a stretch. Like the production values are really low. And it looked like they shot a lot of it like in hotel 
like sort of a, a mid-range hotel um like conference room mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and you know just sort of outside of a school when it was you know summer vacation or whatever and um but the acting was really good and the story was really good and um yeah but it was sort of a slow introduction into learning about fan subs and you know um live journal communities where you had to enter 10 different passwords and yeah. write an essay <laughs> oh first you had to wait for registration to open which oh. most <laughs> communities only do like the first week of every month so if you forget you have to wait a whole another month and hope that you don't forget the next month to apply <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, um, yeah, like that, that culture, I think, is almost completely gone, except for um, Arashi, like the the last sort of remaining Arashi communities, um, because everyone just uploads everything on um, streaming. But yeah, because I know some friends um, that I had would even they figured out how to um, use like the Chinese sites, like non-Chinese mm-hmm. speakers or would rely on Chinese speakers to get files. Um, yeah. And then we would trade like sort of behind the scenes too. Um, it was like a whole underground black oh market. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 Cause I, I had um, from a friend who will remain nameless for her own protection, but <laughs> um, fan cams, like RSG fan cams from yes. um, like concerts that were never released never. on dvd so. so i know which ones you're talking about you're talking about uh 2005's one concert and i believe 2009's dream alive i have although i it might have been on my hard drive that died but i've at least seen uh matsujun's performance of naked which was incredible i don't know if i even have that <laughs> yeah so i so yes yeah, so i guess my introduction to idol culture was through dramas initially because then i went from meteor garden to hanayori dango mm-hmm. and then um i really loved matsujun and i was like oh yeah. wait a minute he's in a band oh I okay know. and so i started just listening to um the music and like i listened to arashi like as music for years before i realized that they had um variety shows and things like that because oh my goodness wow yeah. you really stuck it <laughs> yeah well because i didn't know that there was um anything else because it wasn't accessible and i wasn't in like i was in the drama communities so i would watch the arashi member dramas but i never sort of um found my way into the variety show communities and like watched those until maybe like uh, 2008 2009 2010 uh, somewhere in there and then yeah, that's, that's when they started getting the good like the good budgets okay but before that was a treasure trove of just <laughs> the most oh yeah yeah low budget well i went back and watched like Magomaro. yeah like Magomago arashi like the rowing club and like all that stuff it was great it but was um stuff. yeah yeah so then um yeah like i guess 2010 um Somewhere in there is when I started. It's also when I started really like seriously looking at learning um, Japanese as well, uh, because I didn't like having to rely on subtitles. But, yeah, it does um, get tedious waiting for subtitles. Yeah, yeah. So that that was kind of my journey, but um, yeah, I didn't I didn't realize you had kind of a similar similar path. Yep. So I think a lot of English speaking Western uh, Arashi and Johnny's fans were um, into dramas or got into dramas because they were into anime for which was which was my category. I was a big anime nerd back in the day. And then 
my cousin introduced me to Meteor Garden as well on VHS. I don't even know how she got it on v with subs on VHS, but I was like, a whole new world opened up to me where I was like, oh, I could watch my anime or manga come to life with real people. So I went and looked for more, found Kimiwa Peto, which oh had Masajun in it. Masajun and also his hair. Momo. <laughs> and then also Gokusen, which also had Matsujun in it. And I was like, why is the same guy in all of my favorite adaptations? And then I, like you, found that he was in Arashi. And I just like, he's also in a band? And from there, you know, you, the snowball keeps rolling. And a lot of, like a lot of Arashians, we say we got June baited because of the dramas. And he is kind of the main visual of the group as well. Yeah, or he was in that that era. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, but for me, my sinker, that was my hook, but my sinker was the variety shows. That is what got me. ま、ごにあいたくても会えない。家業の後継ぎがいなくてお仕事が大変。そんなおじいちゃんおばあちゃんのもとに嵐のメンバーがお邪魔します。嵐の1日孫になります。<笑> 今日の孫はどこかな？ここだよ。どうも。Like for me, a lot of the music is like come and go. It does make me like happy when I listen to it, but a lot of it just also gives me question marks. So. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, and I think this is kind of an interesting um, sort of point of discussion too, because I know you mentioned this when I there was that big tweet thread going around about um, how like Johnny Kitagawa like ruined. Japanese music because he didn't allow for any innovation, which I, you know, when I pushed, and I, I don't know if I was arguing with the OP just on their personal account or with um, just someone else very invested in this sort of way of thinking, but I kind of got them to like a point of admitting that what they were talking about was one, Johnny's doesn't upload on streaming, and then two, Johnny's did put a freeze on sort of um, their competition boy bands um, flower boy bands specifically between like 2003 and like 2015. <laughs> like that was kind of the argument I got them down to. I, I mean, I have my yeah. own thoughts on streaming, but yeah, it's perfectly fair to say that Johnny's did put a freeze on boy bands between those years, but I don't know if you could really count that as a freeze on innovation, so to speak. Yeah. Like you can't just blame all of J-pop's faults on Johnny's like no. a few companies do follow the model but there are other idol groups like perfume or fairies who completely don't they put up their full music videos or most of them and performances on YouTube uh, fairies does their the one-shot k-pop style dance practices on YouTube and it's like I don't see the relation here I don't either <laughs> I don't at all because you know what like Japan has a conservative musical culture and like you know, there's a reason that Southern All-Stars and Porno Graffiti and Mr. Children Mr. Children, and, um, you know, all those groups get trotted out year after year after year. It's because people like them. <laughs> so, so I don't and see so how you're you... not hearing anything new or you're not seeing anything new. It's because people like the same people, like the general population, like the same artists and those artists aren't doing anything new. Yeah. Or they're, you know, and there's also the idea, too, that, like, you know, constant innovation, constant novelty, that's something that some people like, yeah, but 
not everyone and it doesn't like you don't need constant novelty to be a good act like you can make good music of the same type that you've always been making and it's still good music and people still like it and there's yeah. absolutely nothing wrong with that like that's such a uh, weird value judgment that just because an artist isn't doing like something quote-unquote new that what they are doing is worthless like I don't I don't buy that yeah and it's also like a catch-22 because a lot of um, the newer Johnny's groups have been quote-unquote following in k-pop style like they've been thinking some I've seen some comments here and there where like the new releases from the younger groups are like oh they're trying to be more like k-pop and this is not what I signed up for and you, you get that as well where longtime fans if you change suddenly on them yeah then... they, don't, they don't like it I mean they like what yeah. they like yeah because I've also seen those um because I remember when I first got into ABCZ um and back on my live journal I posted a like daily motion video of, of Shonen Club of um ABCZ doing oh, I think it was Bodyguard maybe and um, somebody commented, they're like, oh, I didn't expect it to be like this K-poppy. And <laughs> by, which, by which I think they meant like that ABCZ are good dancers. <laughs> and, like, which, I mean, that says enough about Johnny's, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but like a for forward that like I will drag both J-pop and K-pop equally like I know where our strengths and faults lie oh sure <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh but yeah but, but the music thing like yeah like so you you know you just said that you know music the music is kind of hit or miss for you and yeah. um for me I really like um cheesy pop like I like music of all types and um there's a pretty big um, oh, like especially in that that sort of uh, late 90s early 2000s mid 2000s there's like a lot of overlap between um, the sh the old Showa era writers were still mm -hmm. writing for Johnny's at that time 
um, as well as they were getting in kind of these, um, the same sort of people that wrote for uh, Eurovision. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, we're also writing um, for Johnny. So it was kind of a weird mix of like very sort of, um, uh, I guess, traditional pop, but like that very steeped in the the Showa era, like definitely like one foot in Showa era because it was the same old older writers. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like the other foot was kind of these, um, the like the Eurovision guys. But then there was also, um, you know, they've always worked with sort of younger Japanese songwriters as well. Like, you know, it's a real big mix. And then, yeah, you've got kinky kids. And I mean, there's um, there's always a big mixed bag of just sort of everything. But yeah, I I actually do like even the very cheesiest songs. I do too. But like for a lot of it, I almost never like a song on the first listen. Even with like BTS, there were a lot of songs that are like, mm, not feeling it until like I've listened to it over and over to the point where like, okay, it's okay. It's okay now. Oh, that's interesting. I, there are songs like that for me, like Love Rainbow is one. It took me, I mean, probably like five years to, to like... Same, same. <laughs> But now I'm like, I hear the intro, like the intro to Love Rainbow, and I'm like, oh, Love Rainbow. And like Matsujun and his little conducting, uh, yeah. you know, thing thing. But the, um, the height of cheese ball choreography, right oh, there. I love it. Something that maybe newer fans to K-pop might not understand is that um, that idea that that the first time you hear a song, like some of these songs aren't meant, they're not meant for like a 30-second um, cell phone ring. Like they're kind of meant to be songs that these artists, you know, they're going to be playing for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to get trotted out again and again and yeah. again and yeah. again, and yeah. You know, there may be some of them that the artists too have kind of that love, like that hate, hate mm-hmm. turned to love relationship with because you, um, you hear it. They, yeah, they come out on the the end of the year music shows and they play like the hit every year. Yep. So, so for Arashi, that's love so sweet, and I feel like for BTS, that's fire. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Jimin has that love hate relationship with fire fire now. <laughs> <laughs> Who can blame him because he's he's the lead for that 333 dance break so i feel like he probably practiced that choreography over and over and over i have learned the dance to fire and it is exhausting and i do get kind of sick of hearing it too because i was practicing it at one point 
three hours, three to six hours a week, every week for like three months. And it was exhausting. Now just imagine just playing that song basically for the rest of your life. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that is, yeah, that's something like that repetition is something like I always try to, if I'm talking with, you know, like a music person about sort of Asian idol music, like it's like the, the expectation of repetition is something that is very different from um, Western pop where it's kind of like, you know, here today, gone tomorrow, especially since streaming has come in with Spotify and everything. And, you know, you're just kind of playing these lists of like what's cool on the charts now. And then it, these songs just go away. Whereas, I mean, Spring Day, BTS is Spring Day. Like that song is going to live forever. Yeah, that's a classic. So that's like that, that expectation of repetition is definitely something um, different about Asian Idol pop. But over the years of listening to especially Japanese music is an appreciation for like the real cheesy, like absolutely ridiculous, um, like those really, really, really silly songs that yeah. I think turn off um, American listeners especially. So I think a lot of Americans or Westerners kind of came in to Arashi, yeah, th- probably through dramas and variety shows, and probably not so much as me is like, oh, this is great. Oh, I love Kito Daijobu. I'm just going to listen to this song and not find out anything else about the band. <laughs> <laughs> this is something I wanted. I- I'm glad we're on this topic already that I've had to explain to K pop friends where, like, there is a certain level of cheese, and is it camp? I want to call it camp to J pop. To K-pop? Or to J-pop. Yeah. Yeah, there's like um, the concept of the magic circle. Like, you know, when the theater curtain rises, you're entering that kind of atmosphere, that contract with you as an audience that you're going to believe whatever's on stage to be real, even though it's very clearly not real. Oh. That whole whole concept. And so with J-pop, it's not like watching a performance and seeing amazing performers. Like ballet dancers or pop and lockers or acro- like circus acrobatics where you're admiring the physical human body um, achieve dynamic difficulties or technicalities. It's This is a theater and it's kind of like how Broadway shows and musicals aren't for everyone. It's that, I think that's the same mentality I have towards a lot of Johnny's stuff where it's like this very grand Las Vegas style show where you expect a lot of like glitter and glitz and over the top theatrics. And <laughs> I think BTS fans will probably kind of see that in Soap's um, Otsukare. <laughs>
like stuff like that is very common in J-pop, and that's why they have that kind of song for when they go over to Japan. And I think it's just it's like so interesting to me that like that's where I draw the difference between J-pop and K-pop. That's really interesting um, because that's something I've always said trying to explain um, Bollywood to film yeah, people uh, yeah. is that it's more like watching a theater performance and when you come into the to the theater to see a Bollywood movie well at least it's not as true now as they've kind of um, tried to drive a lot of the theatrical elements out of the movies um, this which god that's like another five-hour conversation but um, <laughs> you still see it a lot in regional cinema where the idea of like the film song where the audience, because I've seen really snarky reviews from um, like Americans and Brits and whatever, like um, that'll review a movie and they're like, oh, and suddenly they jump from, you know, Bombay to wait, they're in the Alps now. Like, mm -hmm. how did that work? And it's kind of like, you know, get over yourself. Like, that's just the convention of the film. Like the audience comes in expecting that this is just going to happen. Like, it's not meant to be like direct realism like yeah like you're entering yeah like the magic circle is a good reality, way yeah. mm -hmm. and just like you know when you go to a theater show like your imagination does part of the work and so like you're you're not seeing like literally if someone's like quote-unquote driving a car on stage like you your brain sort of fills in the gaps whereas mm -hmm. you know and you're expected to look at things like through the lens of metaphor or um you know, and, and Bollywood expects you to do, the audience to do a lot of that work as well. Like, you're not looking at a literal depiction of reality. And yeah, I think that's a good way of describing, like, going to a Johnny show, too, is like, you're not looking at a literal depiction of reality. It's no, a, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a performance. And so it's, it's you know, like, oh, that infamous um, cartoon fan cam of like, oh, is it Jin, like, miming a blowjob? Do you know what I'm talking oh. about? No, I don't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> or no, it's Koki. It me, I think but... it's I think it's Koki. Um, Tanaka Koki, like miming a blowjob. Um, if I can find it again, I'll link it. But there's like this infamous cartoon like fan cam of somebody miming a blowjob, and it's kind of like, you know, Tanaka Koki and Nakanishi Jin are both pretty, uh, you know, documented as heterosexual, you know, in uh, thanks to leaked um dick pics and other things that we've unfortunately seen. But yeah, like that's not meant as like a pro-gay statement or admitting that they are gay. It's part of like the show, you know, it's just part of the show. Um, and I think that that's, that's something that uh, maybe, yeah, like Western fans don't really understand. And you do see it in K-pop, but only I think, or a lot of it in the groups that are popular in Japan, like Shiny. Shiny is pretty like theatrical. Um, but yeah, you you do see yeah like the Otsukare, like the the groups that go over there they think they do tailor their shows a little more to meet the um, Japanese audience expectations. Oh, for sure, for yeah. sure. But okay, well here's a question: since you do um, dancing, like so... I, I want to preface this that I'm just like a very average, like I don't have a lot of like actual training, but just being part of like dance community where I am and seeing other K-pop fans who also want to, you know, do the dance cover, dance covers as well. Yeah. So mostly self-taught. Well, that's, that's, um, that's more than I have. So, <laughs> but, but here's something, um, I'm just like, you know, someone who's watched a lot of dancing, both Bollywood and, uh, 
you know, um, J-pop and K-pop, but my impression is that um, when these Korean groups, especially, because uh, Japanese groups don't really come here, but um, when the Korean groups, the idol groups come over, they tend to bring their, let's say, their um, C game in dancing, <laughs> because um, I don't think American audiences really sort of know what we're watching. Do you feel that at all? Um, well, as far as like KCON goes, I think they do put in at least 80% because there, a lot of the people there are very hardcore K-pop fans and will have watched their performances yeah. online in Korea. But as far as like appearances on whatever late night show, like I think BTS in the very beginning, they were trying to make a very good impression with the limited space and airtime that they had. But like as the promos dragged on and on, there were a few performances that I felt like they were just exhausted and kind of had the feeling that they knew people wouldn't really care too much and write them off. So I don't know. I haven't really paid too much attention to other groups when they're doing promotions. Oh, so I can't okay. really say. Yeah, I guess just um, as someone who's gone to, you know, a handful of uh, like idol concerts um, here in the U.S., I just, yeah, I just get the sense that a lot of the audience doesn't, yeah, the KCON audience, I think you're right, is probably different, but just like your regular audience, it seems um, people are a lot more interested in what what they themselves are getting out of it rather than seeing like a, a show almost. Mm -hmm. So I think that the groups, at least the more experienced ones. Um, Save their the, energy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They yeah. tend to, to pick up on this and kind of put in like, you know, not, not a complete not not any effort but you know sort of a more c like like a c c level effort sort of middle c level. <laughs> you know they're doing enough to pass but not really um putting out like their full you know Potential. dance yeah, yeah yeah like if they knew that they were performing for an audience that was actually watching what they were doing that's just the, sort of the impression i've got over the over the years yeah i've only been to bts concerts as far as k-pop goes so i can't really say too much on but you've gone to um you've gone to arashi concerts though right i did i got the chance to go to two <sighs> yeah which ones were those 2009 was when i went to five by ten that was their 10th anniversary concert year and i went to the first day kokuritsu tokyo olympic stadium the very like the concert that kicked off that tour and it was mind-blowing because I, I walked in and I had seen, like, my seat was, I could see the back fence of the very top of the stadium better than I could see anything else. That's, like, how far up the bleachers I was. I was in that very back section. And I could see the five wires going across the, right up there. It must have been, oh, I feel like 20 feet, at least 20 feet up in the air. It's something ridiculous. And I was like, there's five wires. And I'm like, there's no way they would ever, ever go that high. It's probably like banners or something else. And then the concert starts and everyone just loses their shit because that's exactly what the wires are for. They suspended themselves like at least five stories up in the air above the audience and just flew down and it was magical. And I was just set for the rest of the concert. I didn't care. I had basically a back row seat. It was amazing. Yeah, I've only seen the um, the DVD, but it is it really is incredible if anybody 
listening hasn't seen the 5 by 10 um, concert DVD, it's, wow, it is something else. Like, you know, water features, like a full orchestra, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then Matsujin solo. Oh my god, the reinterpretation. Mm, I loved it. Yeah. It was so good. just the um the yeah the five by ten the song with the full orchestra is just even through like my like computer screen i can feel like just the emotion in the crowd oh i cried i i was bawling i think the poor people around me thought i was gonna just keel over and pass out like i was i had a bar like i was in the like front row of that section so there was that divider bar and i was just like hanging on to it just sobbing Yeah, it's, I mean, and one of the things that really impressed me about that concert, too, is um, just how much ground they managed to cover. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like they actually, you know, no matter where your seat was, I think they probably passed by you at least once. Oh, definitely. So a lot of um, Arashi's concerts are really great at this. And, like, it didn't matter that I had a back row seat because there was a stage two sections over at my height. They used the giant flame from when it was used for the Olympics that's set at the very top of the stadium as a stage. And there's no railing around that thing. They, they, they joke in the behind the scenes making up that they could push each other over and they would just die and no one would question it because there's no railing and it's a really, really small space. But they, they still utilize it. And so even us way, way in the back of the stadium, we would be like still 20 meters from them which is a lot closer than if they had just stayed on the front main stage. Yeah, it's it's incredible. And then they have that um, that moving stage, too, that mm-hmm. goes up, like, the back. So, yeah, so, like, yeah, you could be in the very, very top nosebleed seat and still, like, wave to Matsujun or, you know, Aiba. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is because um, for Johnny's, the tickets are lottery-based, and you pay one price for any ticket in that venue and so i think they feel an obligation to not make it front stage focus or middle stage focus but to use all the technologies and um, stagecrafts that they have on hand to move around the audience because they feel like they owe that to the fans who all paid the same price like i paid the well i should have paid i had a scalp ticket i should have paid this. <laughs> no no see i tried to do it the right way i i 
got into a study abroad program. I moved to Japan. I was there. I first thing I did was get into the fan club with my new Japanese address. I balloted. I was like, please let me get Tokyo because I have to go back to the U.S. Like I was only there for a semester and I did hit for tickets, but it was for like a January show the next year. And I was like, no. <laughs> so I gave those to a friend and paid at the time, eight, like Hachiman, which would have been like probably $900 U.S. dollars yeah. for yeah. the back of the seat, back of the stadium ticket. Oh, because worth, it. worth it. Worth it, worth it. And I over actually overstayed my my program ended like three weeks before the concert. So I left the country, got my student visa officially like like X'd out. I went to Taiwan. <laughs> I just like stayed at a friend's there and then came back to Tokyo all on my own money and missed like the first two weeks of school to <laughs> see this concert. <laughs> but you it was what? worth you know it. What? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't I, think um you could regret that like at all. No. I think that's, yeah, uh, uh-uh. that's an amazing life experience. And that is a concert that only happens once. 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 And like I found, I was going through my Odyssey stuff and I found a letter from the person I gave the ticket to with like the actual cash and yen of how much the value of the ticket was. And it was not a cent. It was seven, 70 to 80 US dollars for a ticket to one of their shows like everyone pays that price but you still get an amazing show like it's like I was my jaw dropped when I saw the ticket prices for BTS I could not believe what they were charging and I was <laughs> yeah it's I mean and I think this is one of the reasons um I really wanted to to talk with you like on a podcast too because we both have that same experience of going from like this, yeah, this Arashi, this Johnny's fandom where um, there does seem to be more of a, or I guess less of a focus on making money in that mm-hmm. very, uh, yes. which I mean, yes, Arashi makes money. They do a million advertisements. There was definitely a period of years, maybe it was like 2012, 2013, 2013. Yeah, somewhere in there where they were, they did seem like very exhausted and they were everywhere. They were doing dramas. They had like five variety shows. They were, because it was like Himitsu no Arashi. Like they had, um, they had, yeah, three, three, like one hour, half hour to one hour shows weekly. Weekly. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, just constantly filming weekly. And they had, um, all the members had dramas and then, um, they had like their singles and they did seem like, exhausted oh in movies too and um like so i'm i am familiar with like being a fan of a group like that you can kind of just see is like mentally and physically exhausted but even then it didn't like it seemed like they were doing those things like for their careers Mm -hmm. um and it didn't feel quite as much as a money yeah there's just something very different about um the way that BTS is being handled right now, mm-hmm. that it makes me kind of uncomfortable and um, m- more, way more than than Arashi being an Arashi fan did at the top of their game. And I, yeah, and I think some of it is, yeah, like the way that um, you can just see the way that money isn't being put back into the group. Where like with Arashi, like I felt like every new release they did something new and bigger and better. Like they went, they flew all the way to the U.S. to take. 
um, get choreography from like Beyonce, yeah. Beyonce's choreographer. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, um, they, they, they tried, they really tried. They did. They all bless their hearts. And, um, you know, there, there were always, there was always something like, you know, they were doing, all the members had movies and they were getting more like, uh, Sakurai show had his new zero. Like he was a news mm-hmm. announcer and, um, like they just like, uh, then they were all the members got their solo variety shows and, you know, Nino had Nino-san and, um, it just felt like they were moving constantly. They were busy, but they were moving up in the world. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like BTS, I just see them working so hard. Um, and the money isn't getting put back into the group. The group themselves doesn't seem to be doing things, um, to like further their careers and it's just it feels very different um yeah like with arashi they're they're very straightforward about the whole money thing especially with because nino is such a cheapskate like he's a very (laughs) cheap person like they they don't shy away from that and like recently their 5 by 20 album was released and it was for the limited edition i think at least 80 dollars for this best of compilation that most fans had you know it's all songs that we already own like it's there's nothing there was one new song on there and it people still bought it and Arashi actually outright said it's going to be expensive but please buy it um thank you for buying it even though it's so expensive thank you literally thank you for the money (laughs) thank you for spending money on us and they're like that's kind of like maybe it might rub people the wrong way but I appreciate that they they're like yeah, you spent money on us. Thank you. Thank you. It sold over, it was like 1.3 million copies. Yeah, you know, for 1.3 million of for an album, a physical album that cost $80. Like, imagine that. Like, that's, that is, that is like the kind of cultural um, power. Because a lot of these people that bought it, you know, there may have been sort of semi casual fans that had, you know, half of. Yeah, yeah. They, maybe they had half of the releases. They're like, okay, well, this is my chance to just buy everything at once. So, yeah, so that wasn't just, you know, diehard fans. That was, you know, that rep- that 1.3 million represents a lot of um, just sort of regular regular people. People, yeah. And for 5 by 10 I know someone who was just like a casual general population listener, wasn't really a hardcore Arashi or Johnny's fan, but they went and bought the 5 by 10 album because it was a compilation and they had never owned any of the previous albums. So it does help, like, it does have that target audience. But for, like, hardcore fans, they included, for the first time, all the extras you see in K-pop releases. They had, like, tons of photo cards, photos, and full-size clear files, and, like, a, like a pull-out banner, almost, included in a limited edition, which... They had never done before. They had like even the five by ten compilation album. Like it's very sparse. And like I have both the limited edition and the regular. And the limited edition literally has like ten additional photos in the like. It's still like that classic '90s jewel case where like you open it and there's just like that one booklet in the front that has yeah. like maybe five pages in it. Except the limited edition had ten pages, and that that was it. <laughs> Well, that's, that's one of the interesting things, too. Um, once I started actually buying the physical um, Korean albums is that 
I was very used to um, the Japanese way of doing things where the extras are all, it tends to be like a DVD with a making of and a music video and um, things like that. Whereas, yeah, the Korean albums, the extras are all physical like um, items and the content is tends to be online, which is kind of unusual. For, well, it was unusual to me coming from um, the Japanese model. Oh, no, same. Like I, when I bought my first K-pop album, physical album, BTS is Her, the first one in Love Yourself, I like recorded myself open, like doing one of those unwrapping or whatever. And I was so confused. Like you can see my little literal confusion on how to open it or even how to approach it. It's like a book. And I was like, where's the CD? I'm confused. Yeah, where's my DVD with my making of and my, yeah. you know, extra song or like my, like the um, ABCZ, well, that's like my other big band right now. Well, BTS and ABCZ, but um, ABCZ, they're such a tiny, 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 I think they're like the smallest fan club of all the Johnny's groups. Um, and they're such a niche group, but like they're, um, they load up their CDs um, with so much content and they'll have like special um, variety shows that they'll do or like um, one of my favorites is the members all take a trip to um, Kamakura like which is um, uh, yeah. maybe like it's outside of Tokyo maybe like an hour hour and a half train ride outside of Tokyo it's like a little beach town I but they it. like yeah like they take a little trip to Kamakura and like have a barbecue and like play on the beach and um it's just really, really nice. Um, but it's the kind of thing that BTS puts up, you know, once a week on V Live, um, right. which is kind of crazy because, you know, I've watched that Kamakura, um, you know, special thing, like, I mean, probably like at least 10 times. And, um, you know, with BTS, there's something new on V Live, like every week. It's so hard to, to keep up. I mean, there's always something for free that they're giving away. Insane amount of content. Like I thought, well, with Arashi, it's that period when they had the three variety shows a week. It was hard to keep up with that. And then, but with BTS, it's like you have like it's not even like long material. It's like thirty seconds or a minute, but you feel like you're missing out if you don't see it because everyone you know posts clips of it from like every single section of the clip on Twitter, and it's like, what did I miss now? If you're gone for a day, like last night when we had our sleepovers, I 
was totally offline and I come back and it's like 14 new Weavers um, notifications and then all the stuff from uh, this weekend's concerts in uh, Shizuoka and I'm just like, I, I feel lost. I, we're, I need to catch up. And it's like this constant stress almost. Yeah, I don't, I, I sort of, um, you know, I have enough going on that I, I sort of treat the content now that I've sort of figured out, like, what's happening is kind of a, um, I treat it like Twitter, where I sort of accept that I'm not going to see everything. Everything, yeah. Yeah, and just try to focus on um, what it is that I do like. So I've actually rewatched the, um, like, their Bon Voyage series one, two, and three, probably more times than um, I've, you know, watched the, uh, I don't know, like, member V lives that they do live or... Um, the three-minute bong tom bombs from yeah, some which, backstage. Yeah, and I'm kind of like, do I really need to watch this? I know, right? <laughs> like, and like, I kind of let Twitter do the work, and I just, like, see the highlights now, and I'm like, okay, I think I got the general gist of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, well, especially since, um, well, I have started um, learning Korean, but um, yeah, I mean, I guess the translator issue is a separate one, but yeah, that's, the BTS is such a strange group, just the way that they're, they're being managed right now, because especially coming from like RSA fandom, where this is a group that's been around, well, now 20 years from an agency that um, sort of, you know, in the once they had like you know people always say bts paved the way like bts paved the way like no snap no. smap paved the way like every korean and japanese idol group they all have their roots like the modern sort of incarnations all come from smap yeah yeah and then uh, she was just like smap 3.0 yeah yeah and so but then. but smap was around 25 years and the way that they sort of handled that and like their career longevity and um the way that that you know i mean one of the members is or was well one of the members is married and um you know we have v6 now too and um yeah a lot of their members are married a lot of their members are married with kids um you have tokyo which i mean we won't talk about gusen's uh yeah. <laughs> like scandal because oh. god disgusting but um but just there's, like, there's still that, around. I how everyone just like no just said no and it was just gone he was just gone he was just gone yeah yeah, yeah. but tokyo is still here um and yeah like arashi um actually you know shonen tai is technically still yeah uh <laughs> you know but the, but <laughs> those members but the shonen tai members even though um what they have to be uh, in 40. their 50s, I think, now oh, at this point, at least, at least in their 50s. But they're all, like, at least two of the three are still um, active in stage plays. And if you're a Shonen Tai fan, I mean, you can still go see, um, like, uh, Nishikiori, like, directing a stage play. Like, you know... It's not, um, he's still there, he's still active, he's still part of, like, the greater sort of Johnny's, um, uh, world. Brand. Brand, yeah. yeah. Um, and this is like, you know, he debuted in, like, the 80s. So, just 
that that idea of like career longevity like you're part of this idol group as your career like you know this is what you're going to do and um you know I just don't see that like the way that I see BTS being handled is more like gotta do it now it's never gonna it's not gonna last yeah like that's like yeah it's just this very like rushed feeling of yeah like it's not gonna last oh my god we gotta get as much money as we can right now or um it's all gonna go up and I I just and I think the members have even said things sort of hinting at that that they feel the same way and um young forever yeah (laughs) yeah but it's just very different from uh coming from like you know, Irish, like being an Irishy fan where it took them 10 years yes. to even sort of make any sort of mainstream success. 10 years of just sort of They didn't along. have their first Dome concert, like something more than 35,000, 40,000, like whatever the arena capacity is. They didn't have that until, uh, what was it, 2007's Time concert was their first Tokyo Dome. That is what, six plus years after they debuted it took them that long to get a dome concert and that's like after cartoon like debuted in a dome debuted at dome dome level heisei jump debuted at a dome level yeah yeah it's just um yeah it, it just is very to see like a group uh like the biggest boy group in the world basically at this point right now um i mean they're selling out they, I mean, their single sales in Japan were insane. Because um, I don't know. I mean, the Oricon chart, I think, just counts physical CDs. Probably. Um, yeah. And I mean, it was a, it was like Arashi levels they sold. Yeah. Um, and even their um, import album sold crazy numbers last year. Um, and so it's just like to see them being treated like this is just very I don't know like I, I, it just feels wrong to me to not see them have their to not to not see them being treated like Arashi with the sort of encouraging like the development of the members own like solo yeah. careers um, especially knowing that you know enlistment is on the horizon for them yeah and like what happens after but I yeah. think because like with K-pop it especially for the male idols, it's kind of the accepted status quo that everyone's going to just disappear after four or five years. And it doesn't have to be that way, but they just assume it. Yeah, and I mean, there are the groups, um, Xinhua, um, you know, they're still around. They came back after enlistment. And I have a feeling that Shiny is also going to do it because they re-signed with SM just before... Um, three of the members uh went into the military and i have a feeling they wouldn't have done that if they didn't intend to um continue on and plus they're also very popular in japan which Mm -hmm. does expect this kind of longevity so and then tvxq is the other one basically lives in japan now right yeah 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 (laughs) and so when i when I see I army or international armies who are not from Japan or Korea complain about all the favoritism, I'm like, uh, there is a reason why they're doing it. And oh, there was this one tweet that was going around that really bugged me where it was from one of the concerts last week where the audience, like everyone's kind of just like 
not yelling, screaming, or jumping as a whole, but they're still waving their army bomb light sticks, but they're generally just very still. And the tweet was like, oh, look at these J armies. They don't, why do they get special treatment? They look so bored. The same with the Korean armies, like how come they get all the good things and they just look like this? And I'm like, well, one, for all the people who complain about someone screaming nonstop throughout the whole concert, I think you would appreciate that kind of experience more. <laughs> um, because pe Japanese people, they tend to be like very more self-aware and like they don't want to be seen as a nuisance to other people. Like I felt bad for a little bit screaming and um, doing all the fan chants and dancing because no one else around me was doing it where I was in the pit. But um, they do cheer. They do cheer. They just have very certain points where they know they're supposed to cheer yeah. and they stay silent for everything else. And I talked about this um, in my episode with my friend Tagi, who lives in um, Tokyo and um, has gone to many, many, many Johnny's concerts. And um, there's like, it's almost like for a lot of these shows, um, the expectations of the audience are a lot different. And yeah, like you don't want to be a nuisance to the people around you. So people are a lot more aware of their neighbors and um, they're not going to be, unless they're like really, really rude, which I mean does happen, but um, it's not as, it's not very common. Um, but they'll try to be aware of like not um, flailing like in your space, like not yelling um, when it's a, supposed to be a time for like the talking um, mm -hmm. so you can hear what the members are saying. Um, and people tend to to be very just aware of the people around them but yeah like i've gone to numerous johnny shows and i've gone to idol shows that are not johnny's um i went to a golden bomber concert um and which is very much an idol show and yeah like the expectations on the audience coming in are that you know you're gonna know you're you're almost a part of the show and so yes. there, there are very specific places where you're expected to sing along um, or do the dances. Um, and outside of that, like, you know, you watch the performance or you're engaged in the performance. Um, and then when it's time for you to react, then you react. Yeah. And then, um, you know, you have your, your light stick, your pen light, um, your army bomb. And, you know, you wave that in time with the music and... Um, just enjoy yourself yeah so i want to say to that whoever posted that tweet that yeah the people in the audience may look like they're bored on their face they're probably like bts has actually said this that they know japanese people enjoy it in a different way and they enjoy it quietly but they know they're enjoying it and the reason they know is that they can actually see their faces there's not a smartphone in the way <laughs> yeah like, they, yeah yeah, like they, um, they know they're in the moment. They know the audience, like, it's might be dead fish eyes, but you can at least see everyone's eyes on, it's looking at BTS, and BTS is looking right back at them. Yeah, because I've seen um, the, well, I, I, I know this is something else that may be controversial, but probably not, but the Japanese um, concert films are always, uh, like, hundreds of percentage like 200 percent better quality mm -hmm. than the korean ones like they, they just oh. are like they're the so the the japanese wings 
tour from um, the, it was the uh, Saitama, you know, Dai Saitama um, Super Arena. Um, like, I've seen that probably, probably more than a lot of the other uh, BTS concerts that I own just because the quality is so good. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you can see when they, they'll catch the members walking around, like in the parts where they'll go around for fan service. And um, you see the fans in the audience react to them. And yes. it's, you know, they'll, if a member makes like one of the big like K-pop parts, like with his whole body and people in the audience will do it back. Um, and I think that's very different having been at um, quite a few uh, Western BTS concerts. It's a very different. It's so different. Yeah. Whereas, you know, a member comes around and does a big heart. What will happen is people all put their phones up to record yep. it. and scream (laughs) and not do the heart back so when I was at um when I I went to Hamilton the shows in Toronto there was three shows over four days and um it was actually a very 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 good experience for a number of reasons but um I got the only time I think any of the members ever like noticed me was um during like the last it was the last day I was in the um, general admission like the pit area and yeah um, RM caught me doing like the um on Man like choreography like just sort of back a little bit back from the rest of the uh sort of crowd yeah (laughs) like underneath that was like the best spot (laughs) I swear back of June for life yeah and like but I was under a light and um yeah he saw me with like my arm arm like my army arm like up (laughs) but you know i was just having fun and um yeah but it is very different from a japanese crowd anyway but um yeah the korean crowds because i was at the soul concert the um the love yourself uh soul like the ones last year 2018 um almost a year ago now and um the audience was very different although i did end up there were a lot of japanese fans in the crowd like a lot um, the very first day I sat next to this, um, this other auntie fan from Osaka and she, it was really funny too, because she, she saw me, I'm obviously like I'm white. Um, and, uh, and she was like, Oh, like where, like very like hesitant English, like, you know, like, Oh, where are you from? And I caught her accent right away. And I was like, Oh, like, you know, Nihon no kata desu ka? and she was like, eh. and we're just like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know like oh i can talk to you and um so we had a great time she was a jimin fan i feel like a lot of japanese women are jimin fans and um so you know we like spent the whole concert like clutching on each other's arms but um the next night i was next to a girl from los angeles but um behind me were these um korean girls probably like very young like early 20s late teens and um the yeah like unlike japanese crowds like you stand up when the music starts oh yeah 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 you stand up the whole time you stand up the whole time in korea no you don't you sit that um, was so weird to it me it is I was very weird yeah. For yeah bts especially I i'm know, like I expecting I the most hype crowd and that was yeah. a culture shock to me too such culture shock but yeah so we sat but these girls behind me every time um uh, j-hope was shown on the big screens i could hear this girl just like oh, okay like, <laughs> like clearly like just so in the moment and loving it like um but i i had a horrible um 
well, my friend Toggy, because I had been staying with her and we were, you know, messaging back and forth, but uh, she called it my, my uh, soul plague. It felt like it, but I had no voice, so I couldn't do the fan chants. And I felt like, I felt really like awful because everyone around me was doing them. But yeah, it was very different. Like everyone did the fan chants um, and had like, uh, yeah, like that was what we did. Um, the official fan chants and yeah, the girl behind me going, oh, don't care. but you know, nothing else. Like there was not a lot of like shrieking and, and whatnot, but yeah, very different from the Western audience. Very different. And then, I don't know. I, I did go over to someone's place when I was like still just casually listening to BTS and slowly getting further and further down the rabbit hole. I saw the, I think it was the Soul Final Wings concert on DVD, and oh I was just looking God. at it, and I'm like, well, for me, coming from Asia, I'm just like, okay, are they going to go out further than that? And I felt like, you know, at least 70% of the concert is them performing or dancing or singing. They're very much in that performance mode, and they don't have so many songs like as many songs as I would have liked to have seen them get to do that interaction where they get to go around and, um, you know, look at people and gesture towards the crowd. And like a lot of the interactions I've noticed for BTS concerts is like through that Megatron screen because they're generally doing all of their, a lot of their focus is to that one um, thrust extended catwalk stage camera that you know, very yeah. coveted front barrier. I'm just like, if I ever go, like either I'm down there in the pit seeing the whites of their eyes or I'm just gonna be interacting with them through a Megatron. Now I'm in any pajamas, I'm in the game now. Get up on the side and get stuck in the air to get bullet. Yeah, yeah, tell me now, you get the key to body. Yeah, I'm eager to get all your fatigue and body. I'll take the boogie to move, man, and you'll get it. Can't get it, Because I, I've watched quite a few shiny concerts and they have picked up, I mean, you know, I guess we're both Arashi fans, like in a lot of ways, Arashi did pave the way for these big dome, like the concerts, the yeah. big dome concerts where they do get out and interact with the moving stages and um, those big, 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 um, trans like the clear um, moving stages that'll go over the crowd. Oh, I got to be under one of those it was amazing oh my god 
Because so that's that the whole, like, the love quiet. scenario. The love scenario yeah. choreography on, like, the, the big moving stages. Like, stuff like that, which, um, you know, you can't accurately capture it on a DVD. No. But to, to yeah, to be there underneath the moving stage. Or, yeah, the way that the, all five members flew, like, over the whole dome. Like, um, yeah, that. And the groups that do, I think kind of follow in that mold of trying to to put on a show for the entire dome um i mean rc is lucky enough to have matsujun but i think um bts doesn't have i think k-pop in general doesn't have unless they're japan focused that that um focus on stagecraft yeah is not like, really there actually, yeah because like they're so focused on performing and showing the dances as we've seen them do on music shows and on YouTube that 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 getting out there to the audience was like least priority. Yeah, and so it was kind of interesting because I was at the Rose Bowl for the um, this first two Speak Yourself um, concerts, which I actually really enjoyed, um, even though. Like, like I said, you know, coming to America, uh, bringing their C game, <laughs> like, like for uh, dancing, eighty percent same, that which, which is fine, you know. Like I didn't, I didn't mind, um, you know. I, I knew, I knew what I was getting into, I guess. But, yeah. um, I did appreciate, um, the way that they did sort of try to change it up, uh, with the big inflatable um, yes. playground set for Anpanman, uh, with. Yeah, like with a little bit bigger um, stagecraft for some of the solo songs, you know, Jungkook flying. Oh, I mean, that was just beautiful. And like, I was so happy to see some of that money go back into making, like, the concerts into a bigger experience. Because, like, without the screens, and it's just, like, BTS and a few backup dancers, when you think about it, yeah. all their, that's all their concert is. So it's nice to see something a little bit more than just you know, wardrobe changes. Yeah, yeah, because it's like, you know, um, people are paying a lot of money. So much money. For those so tickets. Much. I couldn't believe how yeah. little we were getting back in terms of, like, concert production for how much we were paying. Yeah, same, same. Um, especially, you know, coming from Johnny's World, where, yeah. um, and I, I put this in my review of the um, Rose Bowl shows in, on my blog, but like coming from Johnny's world, like there's, you know, you have your sort of hall level shows where all the focus is on the main stage in front. And mm -hmm. a lot of times those will be very like performance driven. Although depending on the group, they'll come out in the um, aisles and stuff, um, or even go up to the balcony. Um, ABCZ like likes getting up in like the second and third balconies in the encore, which is there. Oh, I love ABCZ. But um, <laughs> <laughs> then you have like your arena shows and again different from the bts that have the johnny's arena shows tend to have the move the walkway they'll have a mm -hmm. walkway set up that goes all the way around the venue. All way around. yeah d it doesn't matter if it's like um an eleven thousand. i think yo yogi is like eleven thousand, or you get the um i think they don't usually do saitama but um the i guess yokohama yokoari is like what fifteen thousand. Mm -hmm. um but it's a bigger like physically bigger space but even then they'll have the um the catwalk or the walkway that goes all the way around the venue and all the members will come down 
Um, and then even then they'll usually, they'll go up on the second level, um, either in, um, oh, the lifts? yeah, they'll go up in lifts, um, you or know, balloons. And, yeah, or balloons. Uh, and that's like standard. Um, yeah. so if you're, if you're in the second level, um, of a show, a Johnny show at an arena, you'll still get, the members will still pass by you in the encore. Yeah, and then in the dome shows, yeah, again, they'll have, like, the the backstage, they'll have a backstage, middle stage, front stage, they'll have, um, they'll definitely have, um, like, lifts or balloons or something, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, they get all around the venue, and yeah, it's just, to, to come from that expectation to BTS, where a lot of it is very focused on the cameras, and Mm -hmm. in doing the same choreography we've seen Seen so many times like I want them to switch it up a little bit but yeah I don't don't know if it's just like they don't have the time or resources or don't think it's like they think people prefer to see what we've seen so many times already in person yeah I I've thought about this and I think it's I think it's both I think probably there is an expectation especially from iFans that they're gonna see the performances that they've seen eight million times um because that's what they're used to from shows like like um american pop shows like i don't know katy perry or whatever um it's a performance on the main stage and that's it and then i think it's also probably they don't have there's no one the members don't have time to to learn about stagecraft Yeah. yeah and they and you know, big hit doesn't think it's worthwhile no. getting somebody to put together like a really good dome style Before. show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I looked at City Field and I was like, nope. If they're not going to change anything, I'm not going. I did the exact. I, I, I saw you said that on one of your blogs. I'm like, okay, now we really have to talk. Now we really have to talk. Because I, I looked at it. I looked at the the seating map for when the tickets went on sale, and I saw that little itty bitty thrust stage. And then, like, I looked at the what, what is it view from my seat website, and I was like, hell no, no, this is this ain't going to cut it. If they're not coming out on a rocket ship, I. <laughs> I'm not gonna spend the money to fly across the country for like a $300 ticket to just see them on a screen again. I had no, I made the literally the exact same calculation, and and it wasn't even a cross country trip for me. It's just a four hour bus ride to New York, but um, it was the same thing because I'm like, uh, they have the only equipment they have with them is from the arena. Yeah shows so they're going to put on an arena show in a dome and i was kind of like it doesn't translate and i'm like uh i'll just watch it on like i'll watch the dvd when it comes out but um and i did hear from um an acquaintance who went to that show who will you know remain nameless for her own um uh sake but she was at the city field show and she's also someone that's been to concerts in korea and in Japan, BTS concerts in Korea, BTS and concerts in Japan. Minimum, they have the cards, right? They have the cards that come out at the end. Minimum, they have the cards. But she said that the City Field crowd, she was at the show, that um, it, the where she was, she was in, she wasn't in general admission. She was like in the stands, mm-hmm. and she said that the atmosphere was so dead, and she felt really yes. depressed. 
and that um, I hear so many of those stories and it makes me she said that the section that she was in um, she was sitting next to this couple uh, that didn't know anything and spent the whole time on their phones and and her impression was they just bought the ticket because it was like oh this is the trendy thing to do thing to do yeah and I and when I heard that I was like I'm so glad I did not bother to 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 try to go to that because it just to me that's not worth it that's not worth five hundred dollars i i get kudos to everyone who did go out who you know went out and support to fill up fill up the stadium but at the same time i'm just like that's why i was so glad they actually put a little bit more effort for speak yourself and trying to put the money back into putting on these tours yeah should be happening yeah, I, I, you know, and for all the criticism, some of it very deserved that Speak Yourself gets, um, I think that the members themselves, um, no fault, no fault at all to the members, I think that the members did the best with with what they've been asked to do, mm-hmm. you know? Definitely. I, I put the blame on Big Hit and their management mm-hmm. for um, either not investing the resources in um, sort of scaling up the production, not giving themselves enough time to scale up the production mm-hmm. because there, there was there just wasn't enough time to to do anything more. Um, it, it's it's ridiculous to have a dome show this quick after their arena tour with because I think Love Yourself ended in like the Hong Kong shows were like in March. April. They were doing were they April? like original Love Yourself stuff in Thailand in April. Okay. So yeah, so to go from that and then like, oh, here we have May, we're doing a dome show. There wasn't enough time. Wasn't enough. enough time. And like I understand there's like a lot of costs that go into transporting this stuff. Like someone broke it down. It must have been millions and millions of dollars to transport to have first of all, there's two sets of stages because there's no way they can transport like break down, transport, and then set up one set of stage. There's two of those stages going around the yeah. globe. And then like paying for all that, um, the labor that's involved, and then the logistics and the taxes or whatever, and then flying it to like across the ocean. It's a lot. Yeah, and and, and I don't still, like yeah. if you're already paying that much, go go all out. Go yeah. all out. Especially since I don't think um, people buying tickets, like if it's, especially in the U S if it's a matter of an extra $25, $50, even like, I think people would pay that. Um, people did pay that. People, like, oh, yeah, I, people did yeah. pay that. I um, paid the sound check for Chicago city f- or soldier field. And that was like an extra, at least hundred dollars after fees and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, um, the fault lies with um big hit for not putting in the time uh or the money into um putting out a good product that does justice to how talented um we know that the members are and putting that money and time and and um resources into um developing and and letting them develop in ways that they 
want to um again like for all of of johnny kitagawa's faults and believe me there's a lot of reasons to hate johnny kitagawa um (laughs) so many reasons to hate johnny kitagawa but johnny's um as a company um i think does what it does well is um allows its talents to kind of flourish in a way that they want and it doesn't just drop people um like uh so i'm also um i love stage plays i really 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 love stage plays and um one of the johnny's he's technically i think still a johnny's junior but um yara tomoyuki is i mean he's got he's probably like i think he's like my age actually (laughs) or just a couple years younger he's in his 30s for sure but you know still a johnny's junior and um never debuted um but not because he wasn't talented uh just you know just never worked out for whatever reason but he's a very good dancer has trained in LA like he takes dance classes in Japan like but he's gone into doing um choreography and production and um acting in you know musical stage plays and um just that they invested in this guy who never debuted um, and there's still, he, he's still with Johnny's. Um, and then there's a couple other Johnny's like this um, that, you know, are very talented, just never happened to debut in a group. Uh, Iko Tatoma is another one as yeah. an actor. He's probably like the standout, yeah. still technically a junior. <laughs> yeah, he's still technically a junior, and he's like 35. <laughs> K-pop fans listening, juniors are like they would be trainees in the K-pop world. They're technically trainees. They never had a group, never got, you know, their own CD or whatever. Yeah. But they're still working. Yeah. Oh, and um, uh, For You, I don't know if you know For You, but um, they're also, I think, they're in their 30s now, technically still juniors. Um, but they have a small fan base, very reliable fan base. They never debuted, but they do, um, they do a, uh, stage play every year. Um, they do, they, they're backup dancers. I think they, they work, they do a lot of theater, um, work, but they'll, they'll back, they were back dancers for, um, Taki and Tsubasa, uh, for years and years and years. Um, and then there's also, there are Johnny's Juniors, um, who've got to be pushing 30 now that have been back dancers for Arashi for a million years, years. Yeah. yeah and but they still do they do stage plays um they like 
there are there are Johnny's talents who um, uh, write books, novels. Um, yes, Shige. Shige writes novels <laughs> and short stories. Um, V6, uh, Inochi, has not one but two books of essays about very, you know, personal essays about being an idol and sort of his life. Um, Tatsuko Shota from ABCZ had a series of essays in um, Da Vinci magazine, some of which I've translated um, into English um, about his life and being an idol. And, um, you know, uh, members do solo projects and um, Arashi, even when they were doing like 10 variety shows, like the, the members' own individual variety shows really reflected their their own personalities like Nino's was very focused on his love of show business and it was just a lot of or it is a lot of him interacting with like you know old comedians mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and Aiba gets to go and um you know interact with regular people and uh um he he goes out a lot and does like sort of on the spot um travel things and he goes digging for like uh bamboo shoots with old farmers and just charms you know um aunties and grandmas like across the country and you know but 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 it was all very tailored to their own personalities their own interests and um yeah with bts it's just frustrating because you don't see any of that investment um in in the members in developing their talents like if there was a johnny's talent who could do what jungkook could do like with video editing yeah are you kidding me he he would be editing uh music videos for people and it would be like all over the place he'd be editing short dramas for like the juniors like he'd be doing so much stuff it's like at least give him something more than you know taking his young's clips and putting it together to a song that already has a music video like that's that's a great start give him more give him more he wants if he wants to do it let him do it yeah yeah it's just oh it's it's that lack of i don't know like and i and it's not i mean i i i don't want to just blame big hit as an outlier i mean i think it's probably a problem with um export driven k-pop in general where they're i mean the model is is very focused on you know extracting as much profit as possible from these kids um you know before they collapse or enter the military whichever comes first but um yeah it's just just i feel like with big hit and bts it's just a lot more blatant than than usual it's i feel like bts is so isolated from the rest of the entertainment world especially since they're not doing variety shows like with johnny's talents they're out in the field they're out on the streets meeting shaking hands with normal people or with other celebrities or comedians you don't get that with bts they're like run is like for all its low budgetness and randomness is okay but like these boys who do they interact with besides themselves and their staff no one you never see them with anyone like how yeah that, it's... that can't be healthy too no one and like old aunties out in the middle of south korea might know bts as an entity but they won't know them as well as like the one auntie in like middle of japan who got to shake hands with aiba and work next to him for a whole day like there's i think a lot of people say they don't do variety because they had a bad experience of variety and it's just like 
FU entertainment industry, but I think the, the you know downside as as they if they're penned in now, they have no connections really to anyone. Yeah, and I I do wonder how much of that is um you know kind of designed to keep them I mean in their place um, by a company that doesn't think um or that doesn't want to let go of control. You know they think I think that the impression I get of Big Hit is kind of a you know Napoleon complex almost where they have this group that sort of blew up became bigger than they ever expected um and now they don't they don't want to relinquish control because this is like their golden goose um Mm -hmm. but they also don't know or don't trust um the group to to do to to grow um you know, they, they want to sort of milk this moment as much as possible um, because they don't trust that, they don't trust the members. Uh, I guess, yeah, I guess that's what I want to say. Like, it feels like Big Hit doesn't trust that the members themselves as individuals have any sort of career longevity, longevity yeah, yeah, beyond just existing as this BTS um fan servicey like oh jikook uh taekook like oh like oh my god like oh let's get all the let's get all these pictures of like um you know oh that um the thing that went viral with uh hobi giving his um bag away to that the one fan and then they had the behind the scenes and i'm like that should never have been included in a behind the scenes never Never. never never that that was such a mistake because it just encourages like the the white moment the delulu like, oh yeah. but but that's that's what i get the impression i get from big hit is that that's that is what they think of the fan base that's what they think the value in bts is and that really bothers me because i see like seven very talented um men and so much potential for this like you know the bts as a group like i love them like and i i love so many of the army i've met but i yeah and, and like the game that stupid game oh yes oh okay oh. i have so many things to say about oh please yeah i want to yeah, yeah let's go like everything we've talked about so far so the the why end moment first like we're all kind of guilty of it i'm definitely guilty of it but um including that into a dvd one of my talking points was how in Johnny's and J-pop, it's a very much one-way interaction and conversation between the company management, the talents, and then the fan base. Like, we don't we don't get you know Weverse or fan cafes. We get a message, and then we take that message, and that's it. Like, we we can spam all over Twitter, but we will never get a response. We will never get an acknowledgement of the fan base. Like international Arashi fans, we're just happy if they like speak in English and know that countries outside of Japan exist. Like that is, <laughs> our, our expectation re- levels are really, really low. Do you remember Mannequin, um, when they had like the voting for Mannequin Arashi and they allowed like Tao no Kuni and we were like, oh, Tao no Kuni? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Like other countries, like because they, you know, when you voted, you had to select your prefecture, but then they had like other, oh, other. and they we were like, oh, other. What? I can what? vote as other. I can... <laughs> <laughs> or when they like 
include English messages or every now and then show will drop something like thank you to all our fans around the world and they said around the world they know the world exists oh, like I, I, oh I guess I should um this is so um what ABCZ like um I always come back to them but so they have there's Johnny's Web which they don't have weavers but they have um Johnny's Web which is like you can have it free or you can have the paid subscription um but you get like they write the talents write blogs um or they'll post pictures um you know but every once in a while they'll do like you can submit a question and you might get yours answered and um Tsukachan from ABCZ did answer mine in like oh 20 God. yeah it was like 20 it must have been 2014 because that was the first year I ever went to Japan to see ABCZ and um I wrote in my question I was like I am coming to Japan to see uh ABCZ like where should I go and he wrote me back in like half English like like half Japanese like kind of a weird um hodgepodge of like you know uh international English and Japanese but I was so happy but yeah but that that is basically like you may get I didn't a question even know they did that. Mm-hmm. okay yeah, it's for, not actually yeah. it's you just have the blogs and that's it you yeah. don't get to write a oh, reply no, there, you don't yeah. get to like it you don't get to do no eat, no you, you can but you can put your question into the radio show yeah, you can do that. Yeah, and this is like I guess the equivalent, but it was like you know Johnny's web. But you, yeah, you can submit a question. Maybe it'll get answered. Maybe but that's about answered. that's about the extent of your like because Ono had his like um, he would do these a lot. Like what was it? Just yeah, like yeah. ten minute. They were really short. His radio show was really short, but he would like you know read questions and answer them. But I mean, I can only imagine how many hundreds, thousands, hundreds. you know, they would get like per radio show. Yeah, and I do remember one international fan, someone from Colorado back in like 2010, sent in like a question to the radio show and he read it. He was like, oh, Denise from Colorado. Oh, how do you know me in Colorado? <laughs> how do you know? <laughs> like, that's like always their first like reactions. Like, oh, how do you know me? <laughs> and they're like, well, let me tell you about Live Journal. <laughs> I know. Like it, it always made me so frustrated that they would never acknowledge that the internet exists. Like it's that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. But anyway, like that was like the most you could get out of interaction or acknowledgement from your bias from your group. Besides going in person to a concert and then having them maybe out of tens of thousands of people point at you and do whatever you requested on your your sign on your uchiwa. Like that, that is it. But with K-pop, you have like this constant back and forth with the management, with the members, with everyone else. Just it's just constant yelling back and forth. And like, oh, thank you, our fans, or you know, please suspend this person, uh, or just mass complaining to the company. Like, we 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 could mass complain to Johnny's, and nothing would get done. Like they would, <laughs> <laughs> they would be like. Oh, do you hear that? I don't hear anything. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, instead, they they mass complain about us. Like, the Heisei Jump canceled their tour yeah. because fans were acting up. Like, I cannot imagine BTS canceling a show because fans were misbehaving. Like, nope. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there is a very distinct line between fan base and the company and the management, uh, the company and uh, the talents. Like, there is like 
distinct lines. And if you cross that line, they'll put you back in your place. And they, um, they're not shy about it. And that's why I hate when I go to K-pop and like they never speak up or say anything negatively about anything ever. Like there are so many great stories about like show throwing umbrellas at people who are, you know, <laughs> following him too close. Or there's like this one infamous rumor that, uh, yeah, either Yamapi or Yo or both of them. Oh, broke the phone. Like, yeah, the phone. Like yeah. a girl snapped a picture of them, just of them hanging out on the street. And one of them took her phone and smashed it or broke it or threw it away or confiscated it. Something. It was just like, there's like a very clear line between this is fan time and this is my time. And yeah. and, and K-pop like that, those lines don't exist or they're very blurred. And doing that why an acknowledgement that um oh i saw this one girl i want to give it to her like that's that's sweet and all but like you that was a very dangerous thing to put in and now it's all about i want my moment i want my interaction out of tens of thousands of people it's got to be me like it's yeah i agree and i and i and i don't blame j-hope at all because it's not like his instinct was a really sweet one yeah and it was a good one and i it's when i say this when we say this yeah like we're not talking bad about the members at all like i don't blame them i blame the um, industry as a whole um for sure but also i think big hit itself wasn't prepared for they weren't prepared for this group to blow up and they are not prepared for this fandom and yeah feeding feeding this stuff it's it may make people you know fans spend money in the short term especially international fans in the short term but i think it takes a um a real psychological toll on the members um to have to be constantly like on and and i i think it's also um and i i wrote about this um in a couple posts right after um, Shiny's um, Junkyun took his own life, um, that I think that there's just such a danger um, for these men um, and women, you know, these idols that we love so much, that, um, you know, it becomes a burden. Our expectations become a burden. Oh, 
Johnny's for all it again for all its faults and it has plenty um one of the things I think it does do very well in is yeah that 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 dividing line that this is we are talents we are here in our own little kind of closed off garden you can send us in your questions that's great um there are other you know things yeah come to the concerts but you know follow us to the Shinkansen platform no mm-hmm. We're yeah. canceling. We are canceling this Cancel. tour because that is unacceptable. Yeah, in Korea, like the the K-pop groups, it's just like a free for all. And the the stories of like Sussing fans that I've oh heard. Oh my goodness! I could not believe all us, the things I heard. I mean, and and you know, I'm sure that Johnny's talents have experienced um, some terrible things. Like, um, again, in the episode with Toggy, I talked about the um, the kiss in my foot two incident mm-hmm. with the member. Um, the girl that slept with a member was a fan of a different member and then <laughs> herself released bedroom pictures of the two of them. Um, oh my goodness. And to like a tabloid in an attempt to get the attention of the member that she actually liked. <laughs> okay. That was like a really bad misfire and you can tell that she, something's not right there if she thought that was going to work. <laughs> and secondly, the amount of in-bed photos of all like Every group has a member that has leaked photos from like ex-girlfriends or ex-hookups. It's just, it's a, like if K-pop had that kind of, <laughs> that kind of constant scandal, it would not hold. It would not hold. No. Yeah. So like, yeah, like you know, obviously, you know, these Johnny's talents, I'm sure, have plenty of things that have happened to them, but I don't think they they have the same level of constant surveillance whether from cameras um of the company of big hit you know filming their every breath um to potentially release as a bangtan bomb at some point um or just from sussing fans like they're the johnny's talents are just much better protected in that way um and i'm sure part of it is cultural you know japan um, very but I think part of it too is that the the company um, is had, had very strict. You know, here are the rules; don't break them, and they really followed through on all those. And so they created a very restrictive but still protective culture for their idols. And yeah, and it's it's a culture that's good for the fans, um, yeah. as well as for the talents. And you know, it's it's. Kind of, it's a real balancing act, but it is at a, you know, it's a place where, yeah, like both the talents and um, the fans can both feel like, you know, they're getting, you know, it's a, it's a, you can, ha- I mean, because there are, I mean, you know, we're both Johnny's fans, like there are Johnny's fans of all walks of life, and um, there are, yeah, Johnny's talents, as we said, like in their fifties who are still active, so, yeah, like it's. It just feels like a much more healthy balance than what you see in Korea. Where apparently some companies promote this stalking culture. Like, I couldn't wrap my head around it. Like, why would you want that? It's like, 
and the fan sites who 90% of the time end up being one of these saucings, like, I don't, oh, it, it just did not compute for me. It still yeah. doesn't compute. <laughs> the fact that you see fan sites who were banned still at these concerts, I'm like, how? Because I think there was one, there's the infamous um, Carrot Nuna, who, a Jungkook, because he's my favorite in um, BTS, but like, you know, like a, (laughs) he's so cute, but like, you know, Carrot Nuna banned, you know, from, um, you know, put out by Big Hit, blacklisted. Uh, Yeah, hey, nope, she's still um, active. Uh, And there was another one, like a a Hoseok fan site that was banned, but I'm still posting clips from shows in uh um japan and yeah. it's just like oh. you know do they is there no uh, like is there no effort on following up on these threats like it doesn't seem like it nope and okay so that blacklist that came out that had carrot nuna and i believe it was hope eyes is the one you're talking about yeah 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 so they were on that blacklist shortly after saipan the summer package thing that BTS did. Yeah. What was that? 2018? 2007? Yeah, 2018. 2018. And they were on that list for a multiple reasons, but also because um, a bunch of fan sites found out about the Saipan um, flights and had gone on them, even though there was no disclosure, no public, like, to the media outlets, oh, hey, BTS is going to be here at this time. Please come and horde and crowd around them as much as you want. I still don't understand that either. Uh, (laughs) um, And they have been blacklisted mostly because of that and for, you know, falling too closely or multiple, like multiple times doing this. And um, then they made a separate list for all the fan sites that had apologized saying, oh, they didn't know or sorry. Like we thought, you know, this would be okay to post like all the pictures and stuff from them being at the airport on their way to Saipan or coming back from Saipan or on the plane with them going to Saipan. So crazy. And and I was like, oh, it's okay. These fan sites are bad because they didn't apologize. Uh, But these fan sites, I forgive them because they didn't know any better. And I'm like, okay, let's logically walk through this. Someone in this fan site circle, because you know they all know each other, um, got this information through shady means. And that's why they're being blacklisted. They shouldn't have known that they were going to Saipan. They shouldn't have been at the airport waiting for BTS to be there, to come there to depart, to go to Saipan. That, that is the reason why this is bad. So if one person got shady information and shared it with everyone else who also knew it was shady information, the fan sites were defending themselves saying that they didn't know it wasn't public information. When whoever got that, like, the way they get information, you guys, it's not, <laughs> it's not legal. It's not. Like, yeah. I don't see why, where this disconnect is. I but don't, I don't yeah. get it either. And I'm like, you know, why? But again, it comes back to like this, you know, big hit feeding us this constant stream of content. And, you know, I think not blacklisting the fan sites are really actually blacklisting them, you know, not just this like, well, you know, I mean... I mean, the only explanations are like either they they want to keep that stream of content coming or they're afraid of what happened um, just recently with Astro's uh, Jinjin, where one of Jinjin's fan sites 
um, I guess kind of like did the quit in a huff and posted all this like proofs of uh, Jinjin having a girlfriend, which is made me really angry. I mean, I love Astro and, um, you know, I, I saw them, uh, in concert twice here in the U S they're absolutely delightful, um, young men. And, uh, you know, if Jinjin had a girlfriend or has a girlfriend, you know, he was doing his business by, he was doing us fans right by keeping it out of the public eye. Yeah. And the fact that a fan site would just drop this, like, as blackmail material, basically. I mean, who like knows? Like, they weren't fans to begin with. You, like, mm-hmm. Not you know. a fan to begin with. And, yeah, like, all these companies, by encouraging these fan sites, it's like, they're like ticking time bombs, basically. Yeah. That, you know, the, the anti-fan that, I mean, this was 10 years ago now, but the anti-fan that poisoned um, DBX, um, TVXQ's, you know, like, sent him to the hospital, almost killed him. Um, fan sites that, yeah, drop these blackmail bombs, fan sites that, um, you know, just sort of, it's a constant barrage of, they, it just crosses the line to saying like, there's the video of, um, Jungkook, uh, at an award show and you see him, um, I can post this too in the show notes, but you just see it like it's from, I think it is a carrot, it's carrot Nuna. Oh yes. I saw that. You know which one I'm talking about where he's just <laughs> yeah. kind of like enjoying himself, like singing along to um i think it's icon you know just sort of having a good time and then he catches you see him see her and kind of mouth carrot nuna and his entire demeanor just changes he just you can see him shut down mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he's not singing along anymore he's just kind of like sitting there and you can just see him go from having a good time to see him aware that he's being watched and that takes a mental toll and the fact that that um you know that these big companies um especially big hit seem to care more about getting this content out there than they do about the mental well-being of their talents is just it's so gross and disturbing and like the amount of photos that come from all these fan sites and then all the media outlets every time they go to the airport or um like during concerts you have official outlets you have bts themselves you have big hit you have you know news outlets who will take those photos for you why do you need it from some random person who has very dubious you know intent and business practices why do you need these people to take photos for you and i think Part of that problem is that there's just so much oversaturation of unofficial material that just gets a waterfall of content the minute it happens on Twitter or on Instagram that no one really cares to find out where these photos are coming from and then what the actual human cost of these photos is. And like a majority of fans don't care as long as they get the photos. Like I like photos. Sometimes I see a really nice one, but I know that it's the story behind it might not be. It probably isn't very nice. Yeah, I agree, and I and I try not to retweet, um, you know, fan sites. I, I mean, I try, um, but you know, sometimes you don't know, or um, it's you know maybe the watermark's been cropped off, which you know happens. But it just, yeah, to me, again, it comes back to Big Hit. It just feels like they don't trust in BTS themselves. 
as a talented group that, um, you know, fans will want to or care about. Because I'm like, you know, you go the, the, um, either, you know, an Arashi show, uh, happens, an ABCZ concert for sure happens, and the next day, or the day after, what I'll see are fan reports. Um, and I'll see written reports of what happened, cute moments, I'll see drawings, a lot of fan art of cute moments that happened at the concert. ABCZ fandom Mm -hmm. has a couple of very talented, um, artists that, you know, when they go to shows, they, you know, afterwards they'll draw like little sketches of things that cute things that happened. Um, yeah. and sometimes this is what we're used to in J-pop fandom, just like word of mouth and you never say pics or didn't happen. Like yeah, people will take your word for it because that's the only way we're going to get this information. And then usually two or three other concert reports or whatever will collaborate with yours because everyone saw the same thing. Yeah, and then that's, then you know, like, you're like, oh my gosh, that was so cute. Um, and then sometimes you'll see it in, like, the making of, or mm-hmm. again, ABCZ has these, like, massive tour documentaries because, you know, they, they just put out a lot of content because they don't have a lot of other um, outlets for it. <laughs> so, like, their, their tour documentaries tend to be, like, two hours long. Um, but, yeah, so you'll see, like, cute moments or stuff in there. But, you know, we're we're fine with that because we like these groups um a lot and mm-hmm. you know where that's enough um yeah we like them for the whole package and yeah. um maybe they're not you know 3d cgi visually you know stunning and they might have aged 20 years <laughs> and have lots of acne scars but we still like, love them we still love them as people and i think in k-pop because it's so visually driven that and they know their use is not going to last forever that it's just you know a quick cash flame and keep it burning hot and bright until it burns out and it's not sustainable and it really is sad that to see bts go that way because it could be like they have enough personality to endure but it's not it's, at this rate i don't think it's going to happen are going to be destroyed, destroyed. Um, and their, their souls are going to be destroyed before they even have a chance because of this pace it's it's i mean disturbing like the um you know when you saw jimin uh with the pain patches um last weekend coming back from um japan you know he couldn't even turn his neck and you know he's he's not even 25 years old 
And you compare that to um, what's his name? The one from Shantai that worked with uh, Arashi on um, where they he and Ono do the backflips. Like he's pushing oh. fifty, and he can still do backflips. V six V six still does backflips. Um, I think Suyoshi um, Snaps Suyoshi did a backflip in like uh, in one of their last appearances. I swear Suyoshi was still doing backflips in like <laughs> like twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen. Anyway. Um, you know, so, and he, you know, was like 40 at that point. And yeah, I, I feel like V6 still does them too every once in a while. Um, but yeah, the idea that, that, you know, your body is still in good enough shape to do that. Like Jimin can't even turn his neck at 25 or 24, however old, um, you know, and Jungi on his shoulder and that V live, I guess that happened today where he says that he's got all these songs just sort of sitting on his hard drive. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you have such a talent right here, and you're making him trot around the world, you know, do mic drop eight billion times. And and for what? Like, what's the point? Yeah, and being so performance-driven, like, I don't think BTS is going to be able to do any of their older choreography within five, ten years. Like, no. this choreography, you can't... I'm, Okay, I'm pushing, I'm well past my late 20s. I'm in my 30s now. Trying to dance these BTS dances is like killing me. <laughs> like, I don't think I'm, I have very low stamina, but I'm still in pretty good shape. I, I can't do it for more than an hour. Most people I dance with who are in their early 20s can't do it for more than an hour. Like, there's no way they're going to be able to do Fire or Blood, Sweat, and Tears or any of their iconic dances in 10 years. Like, it's not sustainable. They need to, I, I think with Boy With Love, they kind of moved away from the really intense physical aspects of their choreo, but they need to keep doing that and change what they're doing because that's, that's what a lot of people love about BTS is the dancing, but it's not going to last forever. Their visuals are not going to last forever. Like, and the way Big Hit knows that, and it's so insulting, especially with this game, the way they've treated us all as like very vapid 15 year olds. That's another thing that just was complete culture shock to me coming from J-pop is that the most you can give J-pop idols is a handwritten letter to the agency and you will never get a reply. You will never get an acknowledgement that you even sent anything. You just send it in and hope that they will read it or acknowledge it on one of the radio shows or in an interview somewhere. But with these, these fan gifts, oh my goodness. One, the idea that you have to support your idol by buying them luxury goods because they'll look down on. Like, I, I understand the whole Asian thing about, you know, you got to look expensive and that, that kind of culture. But also just, like, giving them bowls. Like, I saw that. I'm like, that's really sweet. But also, really, what? Why do they not have bowls? Like, I, <laughs> I was flabbergasted. We went from bowls to, like, 85, what was it, 85 million, $85,000 watches? Like, yeah, and with Johnny's too, like, um, if, like, I know the Korean idols, there was just this interview that was on um, the Asian Boss YouTube that was going around where they talked to um, a former idol with Crayon Pop and was saying, oh, I like, watched you know, that. yeah, yeah, where you have to pay back your training costs. And I know for I a fact gets. that, um, you know, with Johnny's, the juniors, they get paid. <laughs> like, you yeah. show up, you show up at the we dance rehearsals. Um, you get and paid. You, it's a part-time job. You get paid as a part-time job. Yeah, yeah. You're not paying Johnny's. They're paying you. 
which is how it should be. Oh yeah, the other thing I want to say with fan gifts is that when you're chipping in for something like that and you see the members wearing it, wearing it and acknowledging it, like it feels like the old timey system of not sponsorship. No, that is that is sponsorship. Well, sponsorship, sponsorship. but also like ownership. Um, Yeah. Patreon. Patronship. Patronship. Yeah. Like here, I gave this to you. Now you owe me something in return. Like I have something on you, and now we have a different kind of relationship versus those other people. And I think that also plays into saucing culture and very bad fan behavior, all wrapped up in these fan site saucing circles. And like, maybe it did come from a good place, like from the heart in the beginning, but as the gifts got more and more expensive, I I don't see it. I really don't. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It, it encourages um, like bad, bad mental health patterns for both the idol and for the the fans and yeah johnny's flat out forbids gifts no gifts anytime he can't even send in the mail they'll throw it out Mm -hmm. they'll straight up say letters only or they'll they'll um send it back you know they see a a package bigger than a letter Uh uh-uh you're getting it returned in the mail which is why i'm glad that bts finally stopped but they were accepting it for a long time and i was like you don't really need these anymore and i'm glad they said they didn't because it like it gives there's a really weird power balance here with saucing's blackmailing these companies and so they feel like they can't do anything about it when they really could like we don't have this kind of shit in j-pop i don't understand and yeah and like if the group is is loved enough i mean it's which bts really is you know yeah like ono's um infamous like taimakun uh like we threesome scandal (laughs) i just laughed about it i just laughed i laughed i laughed The worst we could find on Ono was that he had a threesome while getting high. Like, it's like... <laughs> and the pictures are hilarious. You could look it up right now on Google. It'll come up. They are hilarious. You know, and like, Ono is one of the most loved members of, of Arashi. And like... He's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, um... The, if, if the worst that a thing could drop was that like, a member of BTS had a threesome and smoked weed like you know that's i think i think the band would survive That goes back to where in J-pop we have a very clear line of when they're on, when they're being idols, when they're there for us, and when they're off, when they're in their private time being just themselves. Yeah. It's like a very clear line. 
and that doesn't exist in k-pop yeah and especially since um i mean there are still fans out there that truly believe with all their hearts that bts you know seven men in their you know early to mid 20s all still live together in a dorm no <laughs> like odyssey has never lived together none of the johnny's talents have ever lived together maybe well, for like they well a they're, week they're when they're juniors <laughs> there used to be dorms um but they were uh, gotten rid of because of abuses that happened um in uh, yeah this is um like you can look up some of the older groups um especially like the 80s i think they i think they phased them out like the 80s uh, yeah. 90s but but they phased them out for good reason and um yeah like there's there's a lot of potential for abuse and not i mean not just sexual abuse um which it's just like power harassment but power harassment um you know the infamous uh video clip of the manager threatening jungkook oh uh, yes yes I've you know that. and and that kind of thing is much less likely to happen if the talents are not living in a dorm being watched over 24/7 yeah, by these managers who have complete control. And especially if you're a young, you know, kid, 14, 15. Um, yeah, so I I mean, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with, with living in a dorm, but I think that it's just one of those things because it just sort of adds to this culture where they're just sort of under these watchful eyes, whether it's managers, Sussing fans, um, you know, the general public. It's, it's not cameras. No, yeah. it's not good for them. Oh, and that crayon pop uh, documentary where she said that they wouldn't let her dad see her and she couldn't like really talk to her family. I think um, because we do see BTS get to interact with their families, like we do have, Big Hit does have a better, leave a better impression than most of what we know about K-pop management or any management really. And I think that's why we have started seeing these um, company stands defend big hit so much because they've invested in that you know image of big hit and by comparison big hit does do some of that stuff a lot better than other companies but it doesn't excuse everything no not at all and i mean i recently lost my grandfather and i mean i'm almost 40 years old and i was a wreck <sighs> for um you know like a couple at least you know uh, I couldn't function. I, I was just sad. Um, and then, yeah. you know, understandably, yeah. And, and to have, um, you know, a BTS member go right from losing a, a grandparent to, to a couple of days later, filming a, a happy go lucky vacation reality show. I mean, that's just, that's just cruel. It, it, it really is just cruel. Um, because this wasn't, like, the show would have been just fine without him. Mm-hmm. And people, fans, would have, should have understood that. Yes. Yeah. But no, he wanted to go back. He he went back out of obligation. He probably did not want to go back. No, he went back because he felt obligated because mm-hmm. of, um, you know, whatever. I'm sure he had people in his ear telling him that he would be disappointing the group. He'd be disappointing the fans if he didn't. Um, 
and I think Lola and I said this as well, but yeah, like just because members may want to do something in the moment, um, it's not always in their best interest to do it, mm -hmm. um, especially pushing themselves past physical and mental, their limits, pushing them past their limits. Like the, um, mm -hmm. the incident um, in the Paris concert in the oh. Speak Yourself where Jungkook, we don't, we don't know what happened. We don't know. It seems like it might have been a planned incident from the company where he would go into the crowd and... Oh, trying to be like J-Hope 2.0. Greet like, a, a fan in a yeah. wheelchair. And yeah. it seemed, you know, people thought it might have been spur of the moment. It came out later. It might have been planned. Um, cause they, it was not were, planned well. It was not planned well. It, if it was planned, it was not planned well. And um, it was a very dangerous stunt, both for um, Jungkook and for the crowd. But that's the kind of thing where even if Jungkook said, I want to do this, something nice for this fan in the wheelchair, it should have been the company that said, that's Maybe not, not a good idea. Yeah. And, you know, it's such a great instinct that you have, Jungkook. Like, you are a spectacular human being, but this is just not safe. And we'll figure out something else for you to do to get your point across. And mm -hmm. that, that is what the company should have said, but that is not what they did. And, you know, whether it came from him wanting to do something or, for the com or from the company saying, oh, yeah, this is what we're going to do and you're going to do this. Like, the result was the same and it was a very dangerous situation. And I think, like, the people who rushed in, like, they couldn't respect what Jungkook wanted to do. Like, he... You saw him point at her and be like, I wanna I wanna go to her to the security and everyone was just pushing and crowding to get to Jungkook. Like, what were you gonna do uh with like the two hundred other people who are swarming him? Like, you know, stick out your hand and hope he shakes it when he wanted to shake someone else's hand. What what was the mentality there? It's like, a it's a total herd mentality and it's it's I've I wrote this somewhere, but it's like um a hunger almost that can never be satiated never. like it can never be fulfilled because no matter how much you chase after these idols you're never actually going to meet them because the it's, idol, not it's not it's real it's not real we're coming all full circle we're coming first yes, full yes, circle back to the magic go. the magic circle where you enter that theater you enter that arena you enter that dome the men on stage they're playing a role and even yeah. if you you get to Jungkook and devour him whole it no matter how close you get it's always going to be that much further away and yeah. it's like a, a role on stage the actor steps off stage the character disappears and yeah. it's the same for these idols and um it's I just feel like Korean these Korean companies these Korean idol companies are just playing with fire because they don't really get that. They just see yeah. money. They just see and the money from the fans. And so they're fueling all of our worst instincts. In like a non-healthy way. Like Johnny's for all its faults had a very clear vision and very clear guidelines and very clear no-nos, rules. Um, yeah, they had yeah. 40, 40 years of best practices, you know, to, to, to steal from. And I feel like Korea just took some of the the surface level things and none of the sort of very practical like this is the best way to have a fan culture like yeah. they took they took some of the you know here's how you do variety shows here's how you you know have a group that's 
built like SMAP with you get your different personalities, like here's um, how you do XYZ. They took that part of it. But yeah, but they missed the the sort of underneath the part. They missed yeah. the, the actual stable structure to put your house of cards on so that it doesn't like tumble <laughs> over in a, in a breeze. Pile of sand. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're building your house, your house of cards in a pile of sand instead of on like a nice flat table, where um, you know, and using glue to put, stick your cards together. Um, yeah, it's just unsustainable, and I just am afraid. I'm really afraid of what's going to happen when the bubble bursts because mm -hmm. I've come to care very much about you know these um, talents. Uh, in a bunch of different groups, you know, but BTS especially, and um, you know, it really frightens me. What does and what was going like, to happen? Um, for another thing, I had wanted to talk about was like the fan signs and the handshake events. Like, Johnny's doesn't really do that anymore. They might have been the beginning, and like the Produce Forty Eight AKBs um, still do that occasionally. But like, you see these artists engagements all the time in K-pop still, even with BTS at the height of their pop, like global popularity. And like getting that one-on-one -on -one interaction, you would think would increase the humanity that people see these idols with, but it doesn't. And I like, what was the point? What was the point of all that? Like, Yeah, and it's the same, um, and I, it's again coming back to like the idea of the cash grab and you know that at a Arashi show, like in theory, everyone's paid about you know eighty dollars to be there. Um, in the because ABCZ has had um, a couple of handshake events, but again, they're like a very very small group, and it was done um, by lottery. No, you have to buy like hundreds, and it's it's like a Willy Wonka golden ticket thing. Yeah, yeah, and that's not yeah, no. like, that is not a good way. <laughs> to do those. like a way a lot of the fan sites keep going the same fan sites that keep going to these fan signs um oh i was so confused so a fan meet is different from a fan sign a fan meet is like a concert with like games and then it took me forever to figure out the difference coming from j-pop and then the fan sign is that thing where you see the people on the fans meeting each member one by one as they sign their merchandise those things the same fan sites who take these paparazzi photos get to go to over and over and over again because they do group orders from their legions of fans. These fan sites have their own fans for their photos, their paparazzi photos. Give them their money to buy so that the fan site person can buy hundreds and hundreds of the album from a specific store to get into these one-on-one -on -one events to get that golden ticket and it's like it's just another part of fan site culture that baffles my mind like why are you sending money to this random person to buy the album in your place and get that ticket instead of you i don't i don't yeah. get it especially don't... since you know what are they giving you you know high quality photos of um taehyung like at a concert you know just wait just wait, wait wait for go to the concert yourself <laughs> yeah if you can like go to the concert yourself and if not like wait a couple months and you'll get uh like a v live performance streamed you'll get um the dvd like you know do you do is it really worth um fueling this culture when you could just not 
yeah. like is, is are these pictures of um the members that important to you that you can't just wait like two seconds for an official no, they can't. yeah they can't because it moves too fast in k-pop fandom it one second's there the next second everyone's gone on to the next thing it, they really can't and it's i think with the way j-pop has like and Johnny's has stayed underground, like our black market, where we have to wait for someone to get their hands on it to share with us. And we yeah. can't say that we even have it because it's illegal. <laughs> There's this K-pop where it's just like, I got this. You want it? Pay me up. Like, hit me up. Give me some cash and I'll give it to you. Or here, have it for free. Follow me back. Like, oh, look at how many followers I have now. Oh, here's a thank you gift. Giveaway. I I just, it's too yeah. very worlds yeah and i mean i think that especially in international fandom like the high bar of entry for johnny's is such a blessing because <laughs> I mean, as annoying as those like you know essays that you had to write <laughs> were mm -hmm. to get into like the hidden groups like it did weed out like a lot of people that may not have um actually been invested in being a fan and were you know so you're a lot less likely to have things leaked um yeah and and if a lot of us i think ended up actually studying japanese and learning the language for ourselves um, so many people i know from like 10 years ago we were all pretty much fluent now. yeah yeah absolutely um so it's like and we've all made our way to japan at some point like either we study abroad or our jobs we've all gotten there and gotten into the concert <laughs> yeah it's really funny like and yeah so i have a lot of johnny's fan friends um you know most of us in our 30s now um mm -hmm. uh but even some you know in their 20s and yeah all of us have learned japanese to you know a certain extent to at least be able to follow along a concert um gone to japan you know sort of engaged in fandom it's like fandom is an enriching part of our lives mm -hmm. you know it, should, it's, it shouldn't be this which it should be yeah, yeah. and you know, i've learned a lot um you know from johnny's like from following johnny's like from different variety shows and i've learned a lot about stagecraft um and concert production and theater and you know all this other stuff but you can only do that if you have time to engage with the content and like digest it um mentally and like think about it watch it again and again um, and treasure it treasure it treasure we treasure it. the like 10 dvds we have yeah and like think about you know again like circling back to the beginning a song like love rainbow um which i didn't really care for the first time I heard it or the second time or the third time yep, <laughs> yep there's so many songs like that <laughs> but you know after hearing it hundreds of times just you know at concerts and whatever like I've come to really love love rainbow and that that kind of um that kind of love and emotional affection like for a song can only come if you have time to engage with it and to appreciate it and i feel like k-pop in general and bts right now specifically is not giving the audience or a fans um army time to breathe and yeah. i think to bts's detriment it's too much it's way too much 
if it's too much for us, how much more is it for them? Yeah. Think about it, everyone. <laughs> Think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe we can start using our um, power to engage with them, like to maybe do something good, like get them a vacation. Yeah. So maybe that's a good place to, to leave this. Yeah. There's so much more, but I, <laughs> we'll have to do a part place. two. Yeah. Yeah. There's always more. Um, yeah, but do you have a, a song you want to go out on? Maybe maybe we should go out on Love Rainbow. Love Rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> so remember, neither of us liked this when we first listened to it, or the second time, or the third time. It grows on you. And to all those naysayers out there, with every performance, you get new memories and a new meaning. And it's that nostalgia that makes Love Rainbow so great. <laughs> Morita